0: Sacramento Kings, my hometown, they're doing well right now, and they've got the number three seed. They're going to be playing the Golden State Warriors, and uh, we're talking a lot about that series because, to me, that is one of the most intriguing matchups that you have. The defending champs, the Warriors, come in as the sixth seed. We know Steph Curry. Missed 26 games during the course of the regular season, but they are relatively healthy right now. Probably more healthy than they've been all season long and taking on the red-hot Sacramento Kings. As we know, the longest playoff drought in NBA history is over. It's been 16 seasons, and uh, we'll see. Uh, how this all plays out and look forward to being back in sack this weekend. Game one coming your way, 5.30 p.m. at the Golden One Center. A guy who will be, uh, part of that broadcast is a fantastic job. And he is a former Sacramento King, does a great job with my guy, Scott Marsh on the pregame show on the Kings radio network. Henry Turner, the high flyer joins us now. What's going on, Henry? Hey, hey! What's going on, man? Getting ready for these playoffs, baby. <laughs> you're pumped. You're fired up. You're you're stoked, aren't you, my man? Come on, man! Sixteen years, bro. 16 years. Come on. You know I'm hype. I'm telling you, man. Hey, uh, we both know it, man, because, again, you know, I'm born and raised in Sac. I uh, spent a majority of my time there, and I remember 1985 when the Kings relocated. I remember when you played there in your two different stints, what, 89 and 90, and then what, 94 and 95, and, you know, we know it's a different time now. And, you know, and we also remember the last time the Kings were relevant going back to you know, the late nineties and the early two thousands, Henry, but I want to know, I mean, uh, we know that fan base was always rabid and then we saw the doldrums. We saw them move from Marco arena to now the golden one center. I, I want to know is, is this fan base ready to to get back to the way they, the fan base was 20 years ago, man, let me tell you what, you
1: know, we've been actually having that conversation and, you know, I, I, I work with Jason Ross and I work with the great G-Man. Yep. And, and, uh, and Gary Drill has been the voice of the Sacramento King since they come here in 85. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about how Golden won the last, I going to say the last 15 games sounds Just like old Arco Thunder. The fans have packed that stadium. The fans have come in and they got behind this basketball team. They've they really been that six men. They have galvanized these players, man. And really, the players understand. The fans have their back. They show up in draws. And they show up and they show out.
0: Yeah. And you know that's a a great feeling as well, because I mean, like myself, I'm sure you probably felt the same way, Henry, that like you're wondering, I mean, after all these years, is it ever going to get back to that? I mean, you experienced it as a player and then, you know, you remember those days and you mentioned Gary Gerald, one of the best. I mean, no question about it. The G man and glad that he's still doing it there uh, in sack town. But I, there was a point in time where, you know, you go back the last, you know, I'll just say the last 10, 8, 5, 4 years. It was like, are we ever going to experience that again? I mean, fans talk about it like that was one of a kind and didn't know if that was ever going to get back to that.
1: You know what? I, I, uh, I actually used to say all the time, you know, on air that, you know, uh, Sacramento basketball, as the fans knew it, Lived and died when Chris Weber came and left. Yep, you know that was the good days when he was here and when he left, it definitely went down the uh, went went downhill. But this is a new era, man. This is a new Jack time. You know, we got different ownership, we got different GMs, we got different coach, we got different players, and a lot of these entities they haven't been around for that long drought. They really haven't. Deer Fox is the longest tenure on this team. And uh, you know, he just been around for the last six years. He hasn't really got the brunt of the whole sixteen. So but these guys, they definitely understand the magnitude of it, especially the magnitude as far as for the fans. So they have definitely embraced the challenge and took on the challenge. But I tell you what, you know, right now we're talking about a different brand and a different style of basketball for the Kings. Mm-hmm.
0: Henry Turner joined us, former Sacramento Kings, part of the Kings Radio Network there. Let's talk a little bit about that when you played, Henry. I mean, you're a former player. You remember what it was like playing in the old Arco Arena. Uh, talk about that. You know, just, you know, wearing that Kings jersey and playing in front of those, those screaming fans that just even in the early, early days when the Kings weren't winning and then later had the success. I mean, you saw it all there.
1: Yeah, well, well, well. First of all, you really have to understand my pedigree. I gr- I was born and raised in Oakland, California. Right. So being a being a Golden State Warrior to me was the epitome. You know, to to ever walk on that floor as a warrior, that was my thing as a child. But for me to be able to come to Sacramento and really embrace what was going on here, and it was early on. You know, the team had just gotten here in '85, and I slide through around '89, and it was a huge buzz. You know, we wasn't the greatest of a basketball team. You know, we were able to win, but we were never in playoff contention. But with all that being said, the Kings was the only thing this city had. And everybody in this city galvanized on this team. They rallied around this basketball team. And from 85 until today, it haven't wavered at all. Mm -hmm. The fan base is still here the fan base love these love these players. We always say, once a king, always a king, even when the old players come back, the fans love these guys, they treat them like family, and rightfully so.
0: And talk a little bit about the the former players. Of course, you know, we go back to you know Mike Bibby, Prazer Stoyakovich, Chris Weber, Vladi Devvos. I mean, the list kind of goes you know on and on there. Has, has former Kings players been coming back over the last few years? We get some players back, not mm-hmm. many.
1: You know, um, I honestly think the organization is going to have to do a little bit better uh, job as far as going back and getting some of their old players. Like, Mike Bibby's come through. Uh, what you have to understand is that Doug Christie works for the team. Right. Bobby Jackson also works in the G League. Okay? Mike Bibby comes back through. Vlade and was on was uh, in the front office. You know, that's changed, but Roddy still comes through. Uh, Brad Miller shows up every blue moon. So you get some old players
0: coming through. Right. All right. Uh, Henry had two stints with the Kings, like we said, 89, 90, 94, 95. I remember, and you probably remember this as well, too. I mean, you were there when the Kings actually changed their colors. When they went from their red, white, and blue, I think you were there the first yeah. reason they went to the, the the purple and the white and add the black there, and I remember because I was there, you know, fans are going okay, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm down with this, but then that was kind of the cool thing to do, and now, I mean, the younger generation, they don't even remember the old red, white, and blue Reggie Theus Kings. They don't remember that at all man so uh, talk about what that was like as a player and and putting on the that purple and black after you had the red white and blue years earlier
1: (laughs) you know tc it's weird bro because you know when i first came in here It wasn't even the red, white, and blue. Remember when I first came here, it was the baby blue. That's true. Right? Right? That's right. The powder blue, baby. The Carolina blue. (laughs) There you go. We had the baby blue. So I went through definitely three stints of, you know, changing colors from the baby blue to the royal blue. And then when we changed over man to the black, we thought that that was the coolest thing ever because that was I think that might have been the first year the NBA allowed teams to wear black shoes. Right? You know before before it was always just white white tennis shoes, white tennis shoes. Yeah. So the year we changed to our black uniforms was the year we was able to incorporate the black shoes with the black socks and the black uniforms. Mhm. And then you know that was cool, and we had it for a couple of years. But then when Chris Webber came and Jason Williams came, the black jersey, number 55 white chalk, was one of the best-selling jerseys that ever came through the league. He had a number one jersey one at
0: particular, one particular time. No, that's very true. No doubt, yeah. Jason Williams, white chocolate. Oh man! All right, so we've seen this resurrection with the Kings. Uh, the Kings have had high draft picks in years past. Not all of them have worked out, but man, there's a good core of young talent here. And like you said, De'Aaron Fox. A lot of people don't realize. I mean, you're right. He's been here for you know for six years, but an outstanding player. How much of the credit though is Mike Brown getting? Uh, because we've seen the revolving door of coaches. I mean, hey, you got to go back to Rick Adelman, and then it just became revolving door after revolving door. But Mike Brown, I remember when you know he was hired, you know, last year, and it was like, okay, you know, is he going to make a difference? But it seems like he has. Is more of the credit go to Brown or this this core of players that are just playing lights out, especially offensively?
1: Let me tell you this: all the credit goes to Mike Brown. The majority of the credit goes to Mike Brown. Now, a little bit of the credit goes to the organization for going out and hiring Mike Brown, but to get these guys together, to get these guys to buy in, to change the culture, to get these guys to play with one another, all of that is Mike Brown and his staff. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, we look at the matchup here. We, even though the Warriors are, are the sixth seed, they're the favorite in this series. Okay, and a lot of people will say, well, of course, you know, they've got that championship pedigree, that are defending champions. They got, you know, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and then, you know, they've got uh, healthy guys too. You know, coming back, Wiggins, we don't know how healthy he is. Uh, Gary Payton II is back now. This is, is a much different Warriors team than we saw earlier in the season or even mid-season. Give me your take when you look at the Warriors. And, again, you're a guy who grew up in the Bay. You remember some of those great Warrior teams back in the day, man. So talk talk about this version and what the Kings are going to be looking at. Well, you know what? I I will tell you this. Uh, Looking at this version of the
1: Golden State Warriors and to have to understand that they are the favorites and the Kings are the underdogs is kind of crazy. The Kings are three. The Warriors are the six. Mm -hmm. But it's true. You know, the Warriors are the champs. I always give the champs a pass because they are the champs until they get knocked off. So for them to be the favorites, I'm okay with that. But it's kind of like a twist of the scenarios, though, because the Golden State Warriors and the Sacramento Kings played the majority of their games in like the first month of the season, right? Right. right. Yep. You know, so three times in November. Not, yeah. Right. That's not the same Sacramento Kings team that they are today. No way, no how. Mm-hmm. You know, this team has gotten better and better and better and better. And then, you know, we didn't get a chance to see the best of the Golden State Warriors either because Wiggins was out for some time, Clay was out for some time, and Steph was out for some time. So you really can't take the record of 3-1 Warriors and say, OK, well, the Warriors are just going to dominate the King. Hmm. Not at all. But I'll tell you what we will see. We are going to see a high-powered, high-octane, high three-point shooting, up and down running gun style playoff series. I'll tell you what: when you watch this series, you better go get a neck brace because you might have <laughs> right. uh, a tennis neck
0: by watching this game. We might have one of those, uh, you know, one forty-eight, one forty-two games, right? We, we could see a couple of those. You might see a couple of them, and all of them
1: probably going to be in the one twenty-plus.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, so th- we know Henry, this is uncharted territory for the Kings, specifically this core, this group right here. I could there could there be the factor here that okay, maybe the stage is too big, even though they are opening this series, the first two games at home, and then if it does go deep, then they'll have that seventh and deciding game home. But uh, kind of paint the picture for us: what do you expect to see Saturday night once they tip it off uh, of how the Kings are going to react? for being here the first time?
1: You know what, T? I wish I could tell you exactly what should happen. You know, because you have to understand this. None of these guys have been there before. right? Okay, we got Harrison, Harrison Barnes, who got it done with the Golden State Warriors. All right? He's got playoff experience. We've got Sabonis, who had some playoff experience with Indiana. But besides those two, everybody else hasn't been to the playoffs. So I think it's going to be more so a situation of the Sacramento Kings mentally more than physically. You know, we know playoff basketball, uh, it definitely ramps up physically, I mean, mentally and most importantly, physically. Mm -hmm. You know, the the defensive presence really rears its head in the playoffs. How are the Sacramento Kings going to be able to react to that? But I think that since they're playing a team that they know so well and a team that's right down the street, a team that Mike Brown knows very, very well, I think a lot of that part of the situation might kind of be equalized out, understanding the variables of how both of these teams are going to be able to play.
0: Looking forward to it. No question about it. I'll start 530 Saturday night, uh, nationally televised ABC. Looking forward to being there myself. Henry Turner will be there, part of the Kings radio network and the former Sacramento King himself. All right, Henry, when you look at this playoff time, we know it's it's. Totally different than the regular season. I want to know what your opinion is with the play in tournament. You know, we've been through this a couple of years now. I personally not a real big fan of it. I'm curious what your take is of, of the play in tournament, how it's formatted and the results that we've seen the last few nights.
1: What I like about the play in is it, it's, it, 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 it's twofold for me. Number one, it pretty much stops teams from tanking. It will stop you from tanking. Number two, it gives you a second chance, and you know how big this is. If you have had a, a injury-riddled season, let's say, a.k.a. Uh, the Clippers, a.k.a. the Golden State Warriors, both of those teams are championship aspiration teams. But if you've been riddled with injury tone and injury problems the whole year and you haven't had a chance, to play up par, it gives you that last-ditch effort to try to get everybody together at the end of the season and make that Herculean push. Mm-hmm.
0: We saw the Lakers in a real ugly basketball game the other night defeat the Minnesota Timberwolves in, in overtime. You got a chance to see the Lakers up close and personal quite a few times, of course, being uh, a division opponent with the Kings. What is your take on the Lakers as a number 7 seed and... How far can this team go? The team is going to go as far
1: as LeBron James stays engaged. He is the key. As much as people blame it on Anthony Davis and some of the surrounding players, they're a piece of the puzzle. If LeBron James stays engaged, they have a chance. If Anthony Davis can stay healthy, they have a chance. But if LeBron James starts looking at a series saying, I'm not going to break my neck just to get to the next series to where we get blown out, then it's a problem. Then it's going to be a big-time problem. They are going to go as far as LeBron James wants to take this team.
0: We know that the West is, you got a myriad of teams that could win this thing and you got the Denver Nuggets at the top uh still not a lot of people talking about them and then when you look at kind of the middle I mean see where the Kings are at number three that shocks a lot of people but deservedly so because of what we talked about how well they played but then you got Phoenix and the Clippers right there in the middle of that four and five situation then we got the Warriors at number six and then you got LeBron James Anthony Davis at number seven here it it does seem like a stockpiled uh, you know, Western conference, and then you can make the case that maybe some of these teams have either overachieved or underachieved. Give us who you like in the West. It's it's crazy
1: how when you talk about the media and who they push and who they want to put out in front, you just said it. The Denver Nuggets have played great basketball all year and nobody talks about Denver. Yep. The, the Memphis Grizzlies, outside of John Moran doing his thing, the, the, the media gives Memphis no respect. Sacramento Kings have had a hell of a season, historic. Still, at the end-all, be-all, the top media gives this team no respect. All the media talks about is what Phoenix is going to do, what the Clippers are going to do, How the Golden State Warriors are going to make this heroic uh, heroic comeback, and can the Lakers pull it out from the cellar? What about these other teams that have shown and proven the whole year they deserve to be there? Now, I will say this. All of those teams I just named, if you get everybody healthy on the Phoenix Suns and an engaged Kevin Durant, yeah, they might be the favorite to come, out of the, to come out of the West. I will give them that. If you get Paul George, miraculously comes back, and you get Henry Kawhi Leonard and that deep clipper team to play at a very high level, they're capable. We know what the Golden State Warriors have done. They have been the dynasty. They're capable. If LeBron and eighty gets together, they galvanize, they get their guys together, I think they can make a long run. But at the end of the day, I still have to look at Denver and Memphis and say both of those teams have proven if they deserve to be one and two, they can come out
0: either one of those teams. And you're right. Uh, when you look at Denver and Memphis, the reason why they're one and two seeds is because they've been the most consistent all year. Sure. These other teams have star power and you, we truly don't know what's going to happen with, uh, with Phoenix and, and Kevin Durant and the Clippers. I mean, they're seeded where they are because they have been very inconsistent as well too. So and again, the kings you're right, they 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 don't get the uh the love that they should get. And all you have to do is just look at them, you know, offensively and you know, the numbers like you said, the record-breaking numbers that they put up. They've been uh, astounding, but you're right, everyone wants to focus on the Lakers. The Lakers are a 7 seed for a reason. Okay, it's not like they've been totally banged up. Sure, we've had a lot of load management, a lot of rest with those guys, but that team is a mess. And I see that Laker team as a bona fide mess, and they're lucky to even be in the seventh spot. But I'm with you, man. I like Denver. I like Memphis. I like Sacramento. I like Golden State. I think when it's all said and done, those are the teams we're going to be talking about that are going to be vying for the Western Conference Finals.
1: Well, you know what? I hope so, man, because I say this. Now, T.C., I honestly and truly mean this because I've watched different eras come through. I think right now we are watching – the changing of the guards when we talk about superstars in the NBA. Look where we are. LeBron James is down at the bottom, all right? Anthony Davis is down at the bottom. Steph Curry is down at the bottom. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Kevin Durant, those guys are down at the bottom. Now we're talking about the new Jack insurgents of all-star players. We're talking about Sabonis uh De'Aaron Fox. We're talking about John Morant. We're talking about uh, uh Jokic and then Michael Carter. It's a changing of the guards.
0: Some of these old superstars are on their way down and these new superstars are rising in their heads. Yeah. And that point, Harry, I'll leave you with this. We just come off one of the most exciting NCAA tournaments where, again, we saw what Florida Atlantic did, getting to the final four. We saw another, uh, uh, 16 beat a number one seed and we saw, we've seen so many upsets. Do you think that the NBA maybe finally catches up here? And could we have that type of postseason, the NBA playoffs, what we just got done seeing with college basketball and March Madness? Well, like, as far as watching LA come all the way back and get it done. Well, maybe not necessarily <laughs> that, but just talking about those those kind of unsung stars that you're talking about, or maybe see you know maybe someone out of the East you know you know upset a Boston or a Milwaukee or something like that, or again you know that that maybe even though Denver is is a number one seed or Memphis is a number two seed, they're still in the public's mind you know or the casual NBA fan, they still can cons- kind of consider them underdogs. Well, I'll tell you what, if you talk about the
1: East, you know, I only see three teams being able to come out of the East. You got Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly. You know, those three are coming out. But if you want to talk about a Cinderella story, a Cinderella story in the West, it would have to be the Kings. No question. It would have to be the Kings. Okay, Denver has been there. Denver, Mike Malone has done a great job down there in Denver. He's taken those guys all the way as far as he could. Memphis, Memphis hit, Memphis comes in last year and they make a splash. They move on in the playoffs. So they've been there. If you talk about just strictly Cinderella, it would have to be even if the Sacramento Kings just make it to the conference finals. That's a Cinderella story.
0: No doubt. Even though they're number three seed, it's, it's a great run considering that this franchise hasn't been there in 16 seasons. Henry Turner does a great job on the Kings radio network. My man, it's a pleasure. Uh, we're definitely going to have you back on and I look forward to seeing you hopefully, uh, Saturday night there at the Golden One Center. It sounds like it is going to be tremendous and, uh, you know, hopefully it's going to give us some goosebumps and, and, you know, kind of, uh, take us back in the day to the way those crowds were at Arco Arena. I'm looking forward to it, big time.
1: Hey, T, when you get to the arena, man, come by the booth, tap in, come holler at me. Hey, you got my number, tap in whenever you want, man. We can always chop it up about some good old hoops, man. I'm with it.
0: I appreciate you, brother. Thanks, Henry. Appreciate you. Have a good call. Have a great time this weekend. Yes, sir. There he is. Henry Turner, the high flyer, back in the day, played with the Sacramento Kings, does a fantastic job on the radio side.